Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense. And hello, good afternoon, good evening, maybe even good morning somewhere. This is Jacqueline Sanders with Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. And hello, welcome to another edition of Ask the Analyst with none other than Coop from B2T Training. Hello, Coop. What's up? Good afternoon. <laughs> Ready to go. I I know, exactly. Um, that two weeks flew by, but, you know, um, the whole time it, I was thinking about where our conversation ended and where we are going next because it's really starting to heat up. I mean, we're really kind of um, getting our momentum here around, you know, I feel like we're peeling back the layers. We're being analysts, and we're yeah. analyzing this this whole space, you know. And interesting enough, I want our listeners to know that we've this is our eighth episode, so we have our archive one through seven that you can go back and visit. And, and remembering when you're listening, you're also earning PDUs and CDUs. So if you have questions about how to claim your uh, PDUs and CDUs, um, you can email us at technologyexpresso at gmail dot com, and we'll make sure and get you that information. But not only are you listening and earning points, but we're really dealing with the questions that come to us, even from the students and and from people that we talk to, um, about how to really crack the, you know, some of the things that we see over and over in projects. And, And that's one of the things that we kind of ended in the last episode, is as we were answering the questions, and some of the frequently asked questions were, how do I know when I'm done? How much documentation do I need to do? And and then at the very end, funny enough, we said, are we even asking the right questions? And, you know, that's that's common to analysts. But if you remember that, that comment at the end, um, I know that really was, to me, the start of a whole nother vein of questions around we can talk about what the business analysts should be doing and how they should be approaching it, but a lot of it we respond with it depends. So let me throw it to you, Coop, and see, you know, what was your what was your mind when we ended and, and left on that note of saying, are we even asking the right questions? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think it was around, we, we, the same conversation has come up. You know, I've been in the space over 18 years and Jacqueline, I know you've been in it um, as long and the, the similar things pop up all the time. So what, what is it that we're trying to get after? And maybe, you know, you had, you and I had the conversation a few days later or so around, well, is it even the, just the analyst and what the analyst has to do, or is it the makeup of the whole team and, you know, and what teams are trying to attack and, and what works for a team, team A might not be what works for, for team B. And, and maybe it's the culture of the organization. I think in the end, that's what it comes down to. It's the culture of an organization, not just following processes or thinking about what documentation I have to do or how much is, we want successful projects, so how do we go about doing that? Absolutely right, absolutely right, and 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 that's where that's that really is so important, and that's why these conversations aren't just about or two or, or involving business analysts. We've got to broaden who is having this conversation because everybody at the end of the project they seem to know that requirements is why the project wasn't successful or as successful or why something was missed or the client isn't happy. They know that at the end of the project, but join us in having the conversation at the beginning to make sure that we are as a team thinking about what do we need to do so that we're not having that conversation on the back end about what is missed. So, that is that that's kind of the foundation for some of our conversations and like i said i really feel like we're now peeling back the the onion there's definitely a, a lot of advice we can give people and and still welcome any any questions there there are no you know we're we're always open to the the questions that are on your mind that you're dealing with at the moment so it might be about the documentation or how much or how little but today we're also going to you're going to find that this level of question is about, you know, looking at beyond just the, the business analyst. And so let me go to our first question, and then as we respond to this, we'll hit those different areas. But those on the, the phone that are listening, um, if this is your first time, welcome. But I want you to know all you have to do is press 1. If you'd like to ask a question or even, uh, you know, take us in a different direction of what's on your mind at the moment around anything that deals with project success, really. Um, and then also those who are listening on their laptop, we welcome you as well. And join Jovan, uh, who is our, our sound engineer and also uh, our specialist when it comes to and my intern, who does our voiceovers. And today also she's going to be tweeting. So look for the hashtag, Ask an Analyst, and you will see the questions pop up. And she'll also be um, pulling some of the sound bites from the show as we, as we speak and as well as you can type her if you have a question uh, right there in Twitter. So we're, we're, we're hitting all cylinders today. <laughs> um, so let me, let me go to our first question. And so, Coop, what advice do you have for people on what we call impossible projects? Um, huh. at, and where the, the business analyst feels like they're the one that's always being blamed um, and it's not just a matter of because I know sometimes we say, well, if you're in a you know a bad situation, 
just leave. Just go and find another opportunity. Mm-hmm. But not everyone is situated in the middle of Atlanta where there's, you know, opportunity, <laughs> you know, Plethora. at your fingertips. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes you're in an organization and, you know, the, the BA feels backed against the wall. What, what 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 can we say to them? Well, you know, the that's a pretty broad thing, like impossible projects. There's a lot of things that could seem real difficult. Um you know, so so first I'll say like everything is possible, um but there are some there's factors that cause projects to feel impossible or feel burdensome or feel tiring. It's like, ah, oh, are we going through this again? Um, so I think the, and, and you're right. I mean, yeah, the first thing is, do you have an opportunity to, to move? And if it's not leave the project, you know, leave the company, is it, could it be somewhere else? Like if it's gotten to a point, um, you don't want to be miserable doing this stuff, right? I mean, you work every day, so you have to find ways to, um, to make sure that you're, you're feeling fulfilled and happy. And I think when it comes to impossible projects or challenging uh, groups of stakeholders are challenging um, processes that you have to deal with based on what's happening in the organization. Then I think it's, you know, back to the, the old saying of um, how do you eat an elephant, right? You, it's one bite at a time. So don't try to think or, or don't try to go after and say, okay, the next project, we're going to completely flip everything around and it's going to be so much better. Or, you know, I'm going to push hard to get, you know, for the next project to change our project process and do it differently so that we can improve. I think it's it's finding little things, right, one at a time and knocking them off the list. If it's, you know, stakeholder engagement, then try to find one stakeholder on the next project that you can, that you were struggling with on the last project. Now, how do you get them on board and how do you work better with them and how do you collaborate with them? Um, if it's within the process, maybe, you know, a lot of organizations have PMOs or uh, an organization that's responsible for the processes and the tools that you use, maybe going to them and saying, hey, can we tweak or can I get, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, can I get the ability to not do this piece for this project and here is why, right? Just pick one thing, right, and slowly um, work out all the the challenges and the things and the efficiencies or inefficiencies that are going on that you think you can work out. So so it's hard for me to pick out one thing um, because there's there's so many different challenges that there can be. Um, but you need to pick, go after that one thing and maybe every project and it might take a year, it might take two, right? Um, but every project try to chip away at those things. Um, so one, you'll start to feel some. Uh, you know, pride or enjoyment out of making the changes that you feel need to to happen, and hopefully everybody else will be excited about them too. No, a- absolutely, and and that comes like like you said, that comes with some of the territory of change. You know, being in environments that are ever changing and change management, and and being a change agent. It's interesting that business analysts we're always walking into the business and you know, whether it's through something they've requested or just a, a need in the business, we're changing their world. So at the same time, the, the same thing on the back end is that within IT, 
there are a lot of, you know, there's always a backlog of things that can be done differently or better or they're still doing things the way they've always done it and you having to break the, the cycle and get people on board and, and everything that, that you just said, Coop. So it, it's like we're doing it outward facing and we're also doing it, you know, internally within IT. And you just have to right. still bear in mind, you know, people change, you know, it, it's uncomfortable, you know. So there's the people aspect of just, you know, bringing about change. And like you said, you just have to, you know, be patient both with your internal team as well with your, your customer base when you're when you're trying to introduce new things or you see better ways of doing things. And, and, and a lot like the business, IT, they're so busy just trying to get whatever's on their plate today done that they don't have right. the time to think about, oh, okay, well, we could be doing it this Stop, way. It's like change. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, the, yeah, and the I think other – other... oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you. Okay, so the, the other thing to remember, too, is that especially in large organizations and the, the folks on the line that deal with this all the time, you know reorgs happen and people leave and new people come in, and you can be headed down a path where you have like a director or manager, whoever some of the, the key decision makers are to make change happen. Um, you have them on board, and then all of a sudden there's a reorg, and that director moves to a different department, and now you're, um, a new director comes in, and they have different ideas and different thoughts, and you might have to start over, right? Um, and, and that's just, that's just um, a part of it, a part of the change. And you, by, by hopefully sticking to small items, you can get things underway quickly, right? The smaller something is, the easier it is for somebody to say, yeah, let's, we could do that, right? Um, like if you go to a director and say, we need to change our entire project process and here's what I have laid out, they're going to be like, whoa, you know, I can't consume that. There's no way we're doing that. There's too many moving parts and pieces and too many things in flight. But if you say, you know what, for this project, I want to tweak this and do it this way, they'll probably be like, yeah, go for it. Let me know how it went, right? And then you can show, hey, that tweak really helped. And based on our last project, we were able to do this a lot better um, and then, you know, they might be more open to be like, oh, okay, yeah, let's talk to other teams and see if they want to do it. And then eventually things start to, to steamroll. Uh, but doing things in smaller chunks, um, I mean, that's, that's not new. That's not a new concept. So, I don't, you know, I'm not claiming to um, promote this as Coop's new idea or Jacqueline's new idea, but it's especially in this type of stuff, um, doing things in smaller chunks and trying to bring people along and being – as you said, Jacqueline, being patient. Exactly. And, you know, the, the other piece that um, some people feel that only your company is dysfunctional. <laughs> and right, right. I yeah. dare say, it's you, know, on yeah, the, right. yeah. you know, I dare say that some people, even when you're, you know, you live somewhere like Atlanta and you have a lot of opportunities, You'll, you may find yourself jumping from job to job because you're trying to find this utopia, and that's kind mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, a complete misunderstanding. So you go. I'll, I'll let you speak to that and see what your thoughts are. Yeah, you know, it's the same. You know, I I uh, compare that to everybody thinking um, that there's a perfect family out there. That my family's dysfunctional. There's uh, why are we so dysfunctional? When you look at this family, they they look like they're so put together. Well, that 
that's crap, right? I mean, it's not the case. Every, there is no, you know, it's not like here's a functional family and everybody else is dysfunctional. Um, everybody operates the way they operate, and they have a culture for a number of reasons. Um, now, I'm not talking about, like, real unhealthy habits going on in families or in companies. Um, I'm talking that there's uh, there's just not a that utopia, as you say, right, that there's this perfect organization and everybody's happy and uh, blah, blah, blah. There, there's companies more leaning towards that than uh, and others that aren't, but there is no one right company. You have to find – now, and this goes away from the question, like they couldn't leave, but, um, but you have to find organizations that are – that believe in your culture and people around you, right? So you, you need to be a leader and you can, right? You can change that culture. You have the ability. It doesn't matter where you are within the organization, right? You can begin to change that culture by acting the way you want to act and bring people along with you, right? Um, and then people are going to want to be on your team and the people that are going to want to be on your team are ones like you. So you can start to build this this culture from the bottom up or you don't have to change the culture of an organization you can change the culture of your team um right and then at least you'll be happier and you'll enjoy coming into work and working you know being around the people you're with um yeah so don't don't look for back to the the point jack on don't there is no like a functional company and this is the best everybody has their their glitches and differences and changes it's uh, no utopia out there. Exactly, and I have to use a, a phrase of, of of Tasha Tasha Hurley, who often joins us uh, on our noonday uh, show. She's on a spring break, so I, I hope she's enjoying uh, yeah. uh, her, her spring break, and, and will join us back <laughs> when she when she comes back this way. But um, you know, one of the things she always says is, no matter what you're at the moment um, might feel like a frustration, keep asking, what could I learn from this? What can I get from this? And I think, and that's just kind of an attitude and a mindset toward that particular environment. I, I often used to say, you know, some of uh, the, the things that I would experience, I was like, oh, these are going to be great war stories when I get get in training class because, I, you know, I can share them with the, the students. Um, so sometimes, you know, you, you're, on, you're in a position where you're learning what not to do so you can apply it later. But, you know, and, and it goes back to what I was saying that, you know, some people think that their company is the only thing going through something. And in combination with what you said is that I've, as a consultant, had to walk in organizations and really had no leverage to tell them what to do or not to do or how to do it. It was just I was come I was brought in on some of those assignments just to, you know, work a piece of a project. And but at the same time, I had certain tools and techniques that I used that I didn't necessarily ask permission, but I did them in the background. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people miss that point or that opportunity. You know, when I hear people say, well, they won't let me, and I'm thinking, do you have to have permission in, or can you actually, you know, through using it and having success, then be able to introduce, well, by the way, this is what I was using. If anyone else wants right. to use it or if anyone else wants to. And and I, I literally had people approach and say, well, how did you, you know, know that so fast or how did you 
put that, you know, you, you seem to have the answer when we were talking about priorities or something like that, and I could refer back to a tool or technique that I was using. And so I don't know if you had anything yeah. you wanted to add to that. Yeah, you know, that I was just talking to one of our other instructors yesterday about that exact topic, that all the tools and techniques you use, you know, because we have people in class, oh, well, we don't do that at um, Company X or you know, we, you know, that's not part of our deliverable package and it's not going to change. So we're not going to, you know, why bother learning that technique? And the reason to learn the technique is not for deliverable or that it has to be approved um, as a, a step that you do, right? If they're used to analyze the situation. So if it can help you analyze the situation, do it. Do it on your whiteboard, on your note paper, on your PC. You don't have to show anybody. But then for whatever reason, you know, it will highlight, like I talked about the context diagram with her. If you're using the context diagram and your company doesn't use that as a, a communication mechanism or deliverable, that's fine. But you can throw it up on the whiteboard based on the information you have and start to see, wait, am I missing anything? Or, you know what, we didn't highlight this stakeholder group. What about that one? Um, so, yeah, you never need permission to use any of the tools and techniques because there's analysis time that you have to do with you or your team um, that doesn't include everybody. thing I wanted to talk about, I read an article yesterday, actually, about um, the choices uh, rich people, it was like the choices millionaires make. Right, um, and one of them was it said rich people choose to focus on opportunities. So this article was about how you know people that are rich in uh, money, um, the choices that make and the things that they do. And one of the things they talked about was rich people choose to focus on opportunities. So they see potential for growth, where they said poor people see potential loss, and rich people focus on the rewards where poor people focus on the risks. And um, they, the poor people focus on the obstacles and rich people focus on the op opportunity. So I think when it comes to impossible projects, don't focus on the obstacles that are in front of you. Look at it in a different lens. Look at it a different way to say, okay, what are the opportunities? What things can I do? Right? What do I have the opportunity to do to make this better? Rather than saying, well, there's this obstacle around our project process. There's an obstacle around, you know, these real difficult stakeholders and it's hard to to deal with them, whatever that, you know, obstacle is. So rather than thinking about the obstacles, think about opportunities. And to your point, Jack, on that's what you're saying, like what are the opportunities for me to do this stuff? Um and and do it and focus that way rather than looking at everything of uh, another wall, another wall, another wall, another obstacle, right? Because um, that, that gets tiring, and it's and I'll, I've been there, right? I think it's hard, even though for the most part I'm a, an optimist and I, I try to live my life that way, um, thinking about, okay, what does this mean? Yes, it was a quote-unquote failure, but what does it mean? How can I learn? Similar to Tasha's, you know, attitude. But, you know, we're human, too. So, I mean, for anybody to think I'm always like that, um, I'd be kidding myself. So there are times where, I, you know, I get down. But then you, when you think about it, it just sucks the life out of you. Um, mm. And so I, I just choose to, to try to flip it around in that, that uh, range. So it's good to know that I 
make a choice like millionaires. I'm not a millionaire, but uh, um, <laughs> I, I'm making choices. <laughs> At least that one I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> they didn't talk about the, uh, so I, the big bankroll that they have in their bank account, you know. But, they, but other right, than yeah, that, so yes, you're just like yeah. all the other millionaires. <laughs> That's true. <right. laughs> I act just but, like them. I just don't have the the bank account. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But but you know, and, and something you said that is is so true too. Because even the, the kind of this question, and maybe it's my inflection, but you know, I, I can see when people ask, you know, what advice do you have pe- for people on an uh, impossible project? Is so you know, you also have to think about you've got to adjust your mindset just for your mental health, and so that you don't get stressed out. Because if you focus on yeah. the impossible yeah. part. You know, then you you know it gets built up inside of you, and like you said, you start dreading work, every aspect of work, because you've labeled it this impossible project. And there's been some projects that, on the front end, I'm thinking to myself, I don't see it, but maybe someone else knows something I don't know. And and I remember one project that we went in with if this is what I've been assigned, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to make it a successful implementation. And we tried every different angle that we possibly could, and we, we happened to be working with a COTS uh, a system, a third-party vendor, that, and I know some of, and I know some of my students have even spoke to this that they've been in that situation where there wasn't a formal evaluation or gap analysis like there should have been. It was more of someone just said, you know, I went golfing with a buddy, and his nephew built the system, and we're going to use it. So, you know, right. that that was my mindset going into it. You know, okay, well, this is the hand I've been dealt. So we went <laughs> full steam ahead, so to speak, and did everything on our side to make it successful. And it really was the vendor that finally said, "We can't make this work." And I, in, in my uh, right. my point yeah. of view, was. Like, we did our side, and, and I never in any way didn't give 100% as if this was the, the one that was, you know, formally chosen, but um, they finally really admitted that they couldn't uh, provide us what, what we needed. So, um, and it was like, well, it was a success, and why continue to waste our money or invest long-term in this? Um, you know, we, we hadn't gotten to go live or any type of big conversion, because sometimes you go to that conversion, now you're going to live with whatever they have to offer. So I felt like we we stopped it before it became, you know, a financial nightmare, you know, in, in production. So, you know, there was some success out of it to some extent, you know, but and that was just how I decided to look at it, my mindset. And sometimes you just have to do that for your your mental sanity, sanity too, because otherwise you'll get stressed out just focusing back to what you said, you know, on the obstacles, on the risk. Um, you know, that type of thing. Right. And, and, and the one, you know, what you made me think of, too, is that you um, you have to remember those those times, right? Because it's, it's easy for us, you know, a year down the road, it happens again, right? Um, there's some other cool tool in this case, you know, comparing to what you're talking about. There, there's another great tool that someone feels is going to, save, um, you know, be a great opportunity to implement in the system and then, and they want just, hey, go ahead and implement it, that they could, you know, easily forget that, hey, remember that time we had a similar situation, why don't we do that before purchasing it, why don't we do X, Y, and Z first and maybe even save us 
more time and money, right, uh, before continuing down that path. So helping people remember that when you're in a situation that smells a lot like the other one did, um, let's, hey, let's take a quick time out and try to um, stop this even before that other one got stopped or decide, yeah, you, you know what, you are right. It is the right decision. Let's move forward and implement it. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 then we'll we'll go to our our, our second question here. But I also want to welcome our uh, listeners out there. I see area code two six zero, and of course our local area code four zero four six seven eight. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you're on the phone and you'd like to ask a question or um, even weigh in, maybe your point of view, maybe your experience, you can press 1, and we will have Jovan check on you and get you in the queue to speak with us. She'll open up um, first just to, to see what, what you if you're ready to um, speak to us. So don't think that when we open up your mic, we're just going to throw you on air uh, Jovan will first touch base with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I see sometimes when she uh, just says hello to people and welcomes them to the show, they hang up right away. So I just want to warn them, oh, no, really? we don't yeah. just throw you out there. <laughs> um, she'll, she, the first voice you'll hear is Jovan, and she's just going to make sure that you um, would like to go and speak with us on air, and then she'll open up your, your mic to us. So, um, just wanted to let you know how the process works. If you are listening, we welcome your comments, your feedback. Um, also, you can email us through um, email at technologyexpresso at gmail.com. And then secondly, you can also uh, tw- you know, tweet with us. Now, Coop's available. He's at Coop, K-U-P-E. I'm at Requirements Pro. And also there is at Tech Expresso 247. So that's at Tech Expresso 247. And Jovan is uh, on Twitter right now and sending the questions out so that you can see uh, the questions and answers that we're going through today. And it's all about project success and um, it being more than just pointing fingers at one person on the team, the, you know, just pointing fingers at the business analyst. It's about broadening this because everybody mm-hmm. on the team has a stake in the project being successful. So what can we, what can we do as a team? So let, let me go to the next question, which, which is what do you do if management doesn't support time-tested practices such as prioritization. And, and, you know, some people say, you know, best practices or, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're using the, the phrase of time-tested practices. But in general, and, and I know you have a, a point of view about best practices, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but there definitely probably are some things and ways that management could, can support um, overall those things that, you know, other people have, it's already been proven, don't necessarily work. So I'll let you, you right. take that. And... Yeah, yeah. My, just to clarify, my, my view on best practices is that as a whole, like best practices, when people say that, you just have to, don't just accept it for what it is. A practice was best in a particular situation, um, and your situation might not be exactly that. So you just have to figure out how do you implement this practice um, so that it fits in with your organization and other things that are going on. Um, so don't just say, oh, well, this is a best practice. Let's do it. But things like prioritization, that, I mean, 
that's almost um, that's not about there. Maybe there's different ways to do prioritization that are better than the others, but the fact um, you need to prioritize in some form or fashion. Um, I actually like using the word order, putting things in order, um, because prioritization, typically people think there's high, medium, low, everything gets high. Well, if you order things, then something has to be first, second, third. Um, But so so what do you do? I, I think it goes back to your answer, Jacqueline. I don't know if I have a better one um, is that you don't don't go and ask your manager for um, approval, I guess, to prioritize. It, it's like um, there's no way the team can – this is a hard one because there's no way for a team to operate if they don't have a priority. Um, and this might dip into another question we have, Jacqueline. I apologize for, for going off script a little, but um, – I feel like the um, like teams that that don't prioritize um, are set up for failure. So the other question was around the before requirements are done and in place, the 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 team is held to a budget and a timeline, and then once scope is finalized, they they have to do all of it in that budget and timeline. Well, there, there's no way. I mean, what we're doing is not, uh, it's not manufacturing where there's years and years of experience of, and we're building the same exact car or we're, um, we're creating the same widget over and over and over, and there's a multitude of data to, to support how long it takes to do these things. Um, it, it's just not that way. I, it's more closely related to, to building a house, and I think we talked about this before. It, it's like, would you go, and I would ask my manager, would, would you be okay with saying, or going to a builder of a house and saying, okay, um, we're not going to talk about the size of the house and all the things in it, but I need a house built in a month, and I want to pay $100,000. And then you sit down and start coming up with, well, it needs to be a, you know, five bedrooms, two-car garage, a detached garage with a um, a room up top. I need two floors. I also need a basement. Um, I need the highest end, you know, uh, appliances. You know, I don't want any cheap appliances, right? I mean, that's just, you wouldn't do that, and people understand that. And for some reason, when it comes to software, it's like um, we should be able to just create this stuff. Um, so when management says, "Well, we don't want, we can't prioritize. We don't want to do that." It's going to happen um, at some point. A team can't do everything all at the same time. Um, so the team is going to make a decision. Um, and I think the, the the counter to it is going back to okay, as a team, we are. Go- this is how we're going to approach it. Um, you don't have to say priority, right? But we are going to take things at in this approach. We're going to do these things first, then those things, and then that. Um, and then try to get their reaction, um, and at least that will open up a conversation, right, um, to discuss why you're doing it that way rather than another way and get their buy-in and the trade-off, right? It's about trade-off and risk um, and doing things that way. So I don't know it, if I, I – personally, I'm not feeling like that was a, a wonderful answer, but um, that, I think, in essence, is the answer. 
Exactly. And, you know, I want to tie into some of the things that you said, is that, and maybe it's not said enough, that people want IT building software, you know, problem solving using technology to be so predictable. They want it to be a science. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people say it enough. It's not a science. Every problem has its unique aspects, every team, that every stakeholder, every group of stakeholders you have. So you're really treading on new territory. Now, to me, again, you know, we always talk about that's one of the things that I love about it. But at the same time, if people think that, again, you can look at a problem and say, okay, because this is a contract management system, it's going to take three months, we're going to install it, and, you know, we're going to use it out of the box. It just doesn't always work most of the time. It doesn't work out that perfectly because then when we throw in, okay, well, there's interfaces to these different systems, we capture our current Mm -hmm. data this way, our process is this, and this, that, and the third, and you go on. And before you know it, it's like in order to make this work for me, even commercial off-the-shelf products have to have, you know, those, those different things that have to be taken into consideration. So if you know something off the shelf, um, and, I, and I one time remember having to tell a st- uh, stakeholder that buying software is not buying a pair of shoes. You just, you know, especially right. without even trying them on. You know, it's like imagine buying, you went, you went through and they're shoes, aren't they? So, uh, you know, I buy from, you know, off the shelf. And we even know most 99% of the time you have to try on your shoes because each one of them is different. So, um, right. you know, yeah. I don't think the, people think about software like that. Yeah, no, the, I think you're right. They think it's a predictable, easy thing. And part of the challenge is to today, at least, we have so much technology at our fingertips that people think this stuff just happens, right? Can't you build me an app? just like this one. Um, it, it's just not, uh, it's just not reality. Um, so, and I, yeah, I don't know completely how we got where we are today, but I think you're right. People think it's, Oh, here's this package or I just need a system that does X, Y, Z, just, just do it. Right. Um, but they're not thinking about all the impacts. And I think this is where good analysis kind of comes in is to help people understand the impacts of the things that they're asking for. And all you can do is be real, right, and show the facts. And this is like being a good critical thinker, um, is show the facts. And it's like this is reality, right? Um, I, don't, I don't know if you would say, hey, th- what you're <laughs> – by saying this is reality, you're kind of maybe uh, saying they're not living in reality, so you probably don't want to use those words. But um, what – what the situation is, is here are the impacts of us trying to do this. So with that other question related to um, we've got to do it in budget, within scope, and uh, within time, the other factors of the quadrant, it becomes quality, right, and usability. Um, so, yeah, we can get something up. Is it going to be bug-free? Probably not. Is it going to be the easiest thing to use? Probably not, right, because we're crunch for time and we're going to do the best we can to get things out the door in that time within that budget and getting everything, you know, within scope. Uh, So it's about highlighting for you to highlight the impact. So if someone says they don't want to do prioritization, okay, here is the challenge, right? Here is what can happen. And maybe 
do it in terms of risk, right? Here's the risk. If we don't prioritize these things, um, we have to launch by a certain time, or it's requested that we launch by a certain time. If we don't prioritize the things, and we know this from years and years and years of experience of building software, that it's not a science, and we can't always hit at this point in the game, it's hard to tell six months down the road that we're going to be able to get all these things in within the time. Um, so if we don't prioritize, there's a chance six months come, we're not going to get everything in. Um, and Or everything's not going to be into the quality you want. Or um, nothing gets done, right? Because we're trying to do all these little pieces. Actually, nothing is done within six months. And we, it's not a launchable product. So so it's highlighting the impact of not doing something, right? And, and this goes back to, I do a presentation on, um, and we have a class on business analysis planning. The planning, so we never have enough time to do all the stuff we want or we think that uh, it's going to take to do an excellent, um, a successful project. There's just not enough time. So, But if you're planning for your business analysis effort and saying this is what I think it needs to take, so, for example, I need six weeks to get all this stuff done, and the team is like, we don't have that much time. We can't take six weeks. Okay, then what can we pull out that is less risky to the project, right? So maybe there's a stakeholder group that, that we don't engage with um, because it's, it's less risky. Or we don't do a certain level of analysis on something and, and because it's less risk to the project's going to fail. But we definitely need to do these five things. Or can we add more people to the project, right? So it, it's all about having an intelligent conversation um, and showing the impacts and the risks of not doing one thing over the other. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, the more we talk about it, that analogy to the, whether it's building a house or the remodeling, it, it resonates. And I, I sometimes bring up in class I when I tell the students, does anybody watch HGTV? And it, and everybody kind of <laughs> brightens up. I love using that after, after lunch because yeah. it uh, gets everybody's attention. But one of the things, like you said, is like you might have this big list of things that you want your your perfect home to have. But the reality is, is you might have a date and, and the, that you you need to move in, and so you might move in, and there's still some additional projects that you are going to continue to do. Because we all know when you live in a house, there's always uh, your your little to do list, you know. And you're continuously, you know, tweaking and adding. And, and then once you live in it a while, sometimes you discover things that, you know, you, you didn't know, you know, just looking at a blueprint and trying to visualize right. how you might live in the house, you know. And and one of the things, again, you, you when you move in, you need to have that priority or, like you said, the order in which things need to be done. So there's certain things that have to be done before we move in. But then once you move in, then the things that come after also have to be, you know, ordered as well. And and that's so much like software. You you're going to have that go live or that move in date, and then so you're making that decision up front. What needs to be done before move in or quote unquote go live, and what can we do, and what order do we want to do things once we move in? And you know, I I I wish that I hope that some of the project managers and um, product managers um, 
are listening as well to this and and maybe this is resonating with them as well because and something you said too is sometimes you take incremental steps and find allies that see things the way you do outside of just the BA group we can't just have this conversation mm-hmm. among the BAs but find an ally here and there and then the light bulb starts going off and then as a, a group collectively the the state and the the mindset start to change, and then it's kind of from a grassroots up. You know, that's another way to um, impact management as well. If if more and more people are saying it and seeing it and and supporting, you know, it it can trickle up sometimes as well. Yeah, you know, you made me think of something. Well, why why is it the requirements? Because when things don't get done, it becomes about a requirement and not not a big requirement usually it's usually a a small requirement you know so going back to the house it's well we missed the drawer where's i thought you know i expected to see a drawer here what happened oh well you know and the builder's like well it's not in the you know in my specs so you know the ba missed the requirements um and it's and that's where to me it gets that it's not just the ba's job right it's it's everybody's job to to be looking at stuff and questioning and asking well did we think of this you know so everybody on the team has to be empowered to raise their hand and say have we thought about this what about this um why not this do we need a drawer here or not um and and be asking those questions as we go so that you have the time and you have the ability to make the changes um necessary and not be at the end and be like, oh, well, we missed the drawer. It was bad requirements again. Um, and so the BA, you're terrible. Um, let's get a new <laughs> BA. Um, you know, and then you run into the same exact problems, right? Um, so uh, I, I just think it's imperative for everybody to, to hear that message that we say all the time, the requirements is a, a team sport. Um, and And everybody is involved in this. It's not it's not just the BAs, right? I mean, it's not, they might be overall accountable to make sure or responsible to make sure things are, are done. Um, but everybody has a role to play. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, and again, uh, welcome. I, I see some more area codes. Thank you, 281. Thank you for joining us. 260. Thank you for, again, for joining us and for all the others. Uh, if you dial in and are in listen mode, you can press one if you'd like to to contribute to the conversation. You know, um, the, the the questions are getting a little uh, not so black and white because we're getting into that area of that that I know is a big area of frustration for a lot of business analysts, where they feel like they're maybe backed in a corner, um, not necessarily getting management support. Um, some things are just being pushed down on them, and then they're expected to kind of perform their duties. And at the end, though, when things don't go as planned, and, and something you said about actually the planning process of what the analyst does and there being a conversation. Um, I often talk about there needs to be a conversation with the BA and the PM I've, I've seen it for myself where on the project plan what the BA does is a one-liner, you know, requirements uh, that should take about a week or two weeks, whereas really just to really do justice, 
it, it at the very minimum needs to identify the licitation process and all those dependencies um, because again it's, it's shouldn't be an environment where the analyst is doing it on their own. It's, you know, we talk a lot about the analyst also being the subject matter expert and talking about best practices. That would probably be on my list that tends towards. That not best that, That's a no-no. <laughs> <laughs> that one I would call a best practice. Yeah. <laughs> So they're, you know, they're reaching, you know, they're doing the licitation, and then there's the analysis, which often is that follow-up, the dissecting, um, the peeling back, looking at the different levels, even cross-examination, what I also call fact-checking. That's the analysis piece, and that can be a, a back and forth depending on what you discover. But again, you're discovering it sooner versus later. And then the third step, which is however it needs to be documented or presented to the various different stakeholders. So all of those need to be part of the planning process, conversation, negotiation. And as a team agreed, what risk are we willing to take on? If we're going to say that we're going to, you know, you know, just, you know, maybe try some things, uh, as we go along and then kind of revise and revisit it, kind of like that agile back and forth kind of iterative design and development, okay, then we're agreeing that, you know, we're not going to have it set in stone and we're going to have this flexibility. And with that flexibility, there are certain risks. There might be some rework. There might be some things that we discover and, um, you know, that type of thing. Um, vice versa is the, these are just the different things that we're saying that as a group that we agree to take on certain risks. And, and and that's the other piece. You know, one of the things I said that I don't think it's said enough is that when you're building software, it's not always predictable. It's not this science. The second one is that even on the BA site, we have to accept there are some risks that you have to take. There, you know, you can't do every step where we're, you know, we're moving out of that world of waterfall where we thought we could have these perfect requirements, then we could have, you know, we do the build and then we, we deliver and no questions asked. And we, again, we've, we've now discovered from, you know, 30, 40 years of doing this that, no, there's, there's going to be some things that you discover along the way and to build you know, software to go into areas that you've never been in before, there are some risks. So allow the team to to take some risk and allow there to be some discovery that might come on later in the project and it not be a negative thing, so to speak. So that that's one of the things sometimes I think BAs sometimes are rigid in that um, when we talk about our, our question about management supporting them is that, they, we know they can't give us unlimited time on the other end of the spectrum. So we've got to also realize that there are going to be some things. But if as a team we agree, okay, well, we can't do this or we, we're not going to go down this road completely or we're only going to go so far, then, you know, there's been times when I've, I've had my PM sometimes or my product manager say, okay, that's enough, and I had to accept it and and. And if we decide as a team, then I also had their support. So I, I don't know if you had any comments on on that. Yeah, I think I mean, in the end, that's what it is. And you know, to get the get away from the blaming of the BA, um, that it's it's 
the team's decision. Are we going to do this or not do this? Or how are we going to ensure that everybody has that shared understanding of what we're trying to attack and have the opportunities to ask questions, give their viewpoint, so that, that it is a team thing. Like, okay, we are moving forward into this next realm, phase, sprint, whatever you want to call it, all on the same page. Let's do it. So if things don't go perfect, which they don't all the time, at least the team is like, okay, so how can we do, what can we do differently? I think maybe we went too fast here. We didn't have that conversation or we didn't dig deeper into the story. So next time we'll know when that pops up that we shouldn't do that. I mean, that's the attitude that you have to have, right? Um, Years ago, I saw a presentation. It was, I forgot the group, but they were like ex-Air Force pilots. And they um, they talked about, like, after a mission, what they would do, right? Um, and a lot of teams do this, but I don't think they take it to heart. Is They would come in after a mission, and they would leave their badges at the door, um, and they would uh, just talk about the process, what went well, what didn't go so well, and how can we improve. And it didn't matter who it was. Right, but if something got went wrong, they talk about it and say, "Okay, next time, you know, Jacqueline, maybe if you do this and this, we'll be in better alignment." Okay, great, perfect, and just move forward. So, you know, it, to me, when uh, when a team has a trusting relationship, and and everybody probably knows when there's trusting relationships on the team. Uh, and things go wrong, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, the finger-pointing doesn't happen. Everybody kind of bands together and is like, all right, how can we do this better? What can we do better? How can we improve? Rather than finger-pointing, well, I had it in the requirements. You just coded it wrong, or you didn't test it. Why didn't you find that in QA testing, right? I mean, that that just doesn't help anything. Um, It's something didn't get found in QA testing. Why? What happened? Did we push testing? You know, did we keep pushing testing back, and they didn't have enough time, and we didn't prioritize the testers or give the the testing team the information they needed to determine what was important to test first, second, third? You know, whatever that reason is, and talk about it, and then improve the next time. I mean, that's that's all we could do as professionals. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, again, thank you. I want to um, thank our listeners for joining Coop uh, B2T Training, uh, the the president of B2T Training, and myself, Jacqueline, uh, also known as Requirements Pro on Twitter, and Coop is um, K U P E also on Twitter. And you're joining Ask the Analyst, and we're going through some of the questions. Uh, some of them that we often get in class. And you're also welcome to email us or call in questions or even ask us live on the air. If you're on the phone or if you want to dial in, 714-888-7506, just press 1 and we'll get you queued up and you can ask your question or leave your message. Um, If you're feeling a little bit shy, um, not ready to put yourself out there, you can email us at technologyexpresso.com at gmail.com, and that's technology, E X 
P-R-E-S-S-O at gmail.com. And, again, thank you for joining us on your lunch hour, if this is your lunch hour for some. Um, And do know that you can earn PDUs and CDUs for listening to today's show. And we have a whole archive. This is Episode 8 of Ask the Analyst. This is Actually 9, Jackal. At I episode think this nine. Is nine. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> eight on the brain. I'm sorry. Episode <laughs> nine. <laughs> we're going for a full dozen here. You said that earlier, here, and I was like, I, yeah, I thought we were. I thought we were at nine, but that's okay. Please, yeah, yeah please help me out. Yeah. <laughs> Those numbers get jumbled sometimes. But so episode nine, and, and let's move on to question three of episode nine. So. First of all, and, and like you said, we might have touched upon this one, but I know that this one is near and dear to many people's heart. But many projects, the schedule, the budget is determined up front, even long before the BA. And, and I'm kind of reading this, but I'm paraphrasing too, but long before the requirements are identified. Um, and then, you know, then the BA is brought in, and basically those things are already locked down. But and and I I know this because like I, I've heard this from my students, but they want to give you the the scope and their requirements, and they keep going back to we want it all, we want it all. Um, but they're they're not you know playing fair, I'll say, <laughs> and they're not revisiting right. the budget or the schedule. So what does is a BA to do? Do they just do what they're told and um, you know just wait to the end of the project and see where the chips fall? Or what, what would you? What do you suggest? Well, you know, I think part of it is you don't – you want to try to raise the issue in a way um, to try to get people on board, but at the same time you don't want to um, do like uh, an I told you so kind of thing, like I told you it was going to fail, you see. Um, uh, But but I don't think a BA – no matter what. So in this situation, I want to focus on the last part that you said about do they just do what they're told. Um, I think the way to have the conversation back, and this is with a lot of things, is to put things back on you as as the person that you just don't understand yet. So if someone says um, you need to do X, Y, and Z, you need to ask the question of, well, I don't understand yet how that's going to help us get to the end game and help us get to success. So help me understand how that's going to get us there. Or Help me understand why we shouldn't do X, Y, and Z um, because I feel that is going to help give me clarity and give the team clarity, and then we'll be able to point in the right direction. Um, so, I, so the way, rather than challenging someone around, well, why should I do that, or um, and asking, or why, why did you pick that package, or why did you do this, right? That automatically puts people on the defense um, and get them in a mode of just do it, right? I mean, think about that four-year-old, like, why, 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 you know, because I said so, right? I mean, that's what the parents end up going to is because I said so. Well, so you don't want to challenge that way, but it's about, it's flipping it around to help you get on the same page. And I use the this language often, right? Like, people will come, oh, we got to do this and that, and I'm like, okay, it sounds really cool, but I'm I'm just not there yet. I just don't understand how that's going to help us, or I don't understand why that's good for our business, or I don't understand why for this project um, that's a good use of my time or somebody else's time. Um, so so always rolling it back to that 
And then the other the the other half of this, I think, goes back to what I was talking about earlier: is giving impacts, right? So I I really do think, um, unless it's completely, completely, completely unreasonable, um, that a, a team can can get a lot of things done in uh, in a short order, um, but what suffers is is going to be around quality, right? Like how how pristine is it going to look or how um, bug-free is it going to be, uh, how user-friendly is it, how intuitive does the, the system or whatever solution you're trying to implement look. So all those things, I think, are going to be factors. And I think that's the other piece that you as a BA have to highlight that um, as a as a leader on the team, as as a you're accountable for making this happen. And if you don't bring that up and if you don't, you know, and maybe it's a, a team thing, right, that the developers have to stand up too. They can't just cower back. Um, or, or what's going to happen with them is they're going to be working night, you know, all night long until they pass out um, to try to make it happen. <laughs> and that's not what, you know, I don't think that's what anybody wants. Um, so I'll let you chime in, Jacqueline. To add, agree, disagree. <laughs> no, no, I'm 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 right there with you. I, I know that it, it feels like you're again. You know, you just want everyone to get along, but you know the the reality is, that, and and I've worked for some environments where they said, well, we push you on on purpose. They they want to get the maximum out of the team. So they kind of put these constraints on you to see what what you're going to give. But you you so you 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 are there is a little bit of pressure on that, you know, because I know gone are the days because I think some people abuse padding schedules. So you right. know, then you have the opposite end where they they do kind of see what can you do within these constraints. But at the same time, I, and I'm with you, I go back to I think the most important thing is is that in my mind, I already know we're going to run out of time before we run out of requirements. I mean, if you were building a house, you could always say, and what about this, and what about that, and, you know, I won't go play the, you know, light switches. You know, you can always come up with more, and right. I think that that's the same with software. You know, ooh, ah, I want more. I want it to do more. And so, but... I, as a business analyst, I'm still trying to steer. It's all about steering the team. And that's what makes us different from just being, um, you know, being documentation and technical writers is that we have to be a bit of kind of coaching the team as well as facilitating the team and, and, and somewhat being the advisor. And, and some of it, and I think you touched upon this too, is, You've got to learn that style and that finesse working with the team because because sometimes you're you're steering from the the back you're not at the front and and you know everybody's just following following behind you it's vice versa you're part of the team and you got to keep bringing up but have we considered this or do you realize and and let's make sure that we do this first because we'll get the biggest bang for our buck and you know those I, I'll have to say because those are two catchphrases that. I think, you know, one is getting the biggest bang for your buck, you know, and then the other one is doing low-lying mm-hmm. fruit. And and I have to say, I worked for organizations. Mm-hmm. They were always about the low-lying fruit. 
but the low-lying fruit didn't always give us the biggest bang. So, you know, it, it, you you got to, again, sometimes you've got to help the team kind of like, did you, re- you remember that other project that we did? And we did all that low-lying fruit, and then when all was said and done, all we had was these little scattered random, you know, enhancements, and we never really got to the guts of what was, the, was gut, right. the pain point. Yeah. So, yeah, it's you know, constantly I, I, reminding people about that. Um, sorry to cut you off, but you just got no. me. I mean, I think that in the end, you know, there's a level, and this might sound like a cop-out to everybody, but it's reality. I mean, it's it's being persistent of remem- first remembering and then being able to remind people of, man, we're getting into these same patterns. Let's get away from that, right? We know what happened. We were not happy at the end of the day after the the last three months. Let's change how we're doing it. And, and we're in that, we're getting back into that same pattern. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I used this analogy on, on the last episode around uh, for a different reason, but I, I think it applies to this um, about a an ER doctor and, you know, a primary care physician, right? So, you can look at a situation of trying to avoid, you know, if you have a healthy person or if you're trying to avoid someone's heart problems. Well, if you're in a situation where you're having a heart attack or you had a heart attack and you get brought into the ER, the ER doctor is ripping you open. They're getting your heart pumping again, getting the blockage out. They're doing whatever they can to get that done. And it's going to be, it might be ugly, right? Um, you might have a, a big scar. Um, you know, you might be, you might survive this heart attack, but you're going to have this big scar. You're going to be in the hospital and you're going to, you know, all these other things and might be in a lot of pain for a while because that ER doc had to move quick. Right. So, so the, the scope is the same. The, the budget and time might be the same, right? Or the time there is you have very limited. So you go in and do what you got to do and get the person back up. Now, primary care physician is taking a much longer approach, right? They might prescribe some medicine. They, they're going to be checking your blood pressure, and you're coming back every six months. And, and it's a much longer process, but it's a cleaner process. It's a healthier process. Um, and I think... You know, that's, you know, uh, the attitude and a message that has to be delivered to the people that are saying, we got to do it quick and we got to do it now and it's got to be perfect. Well, it's not going to be perfect. It's just not, it's not possible. Um, and if they, if they have a way, if they have an example of, of a team that did it, then let's bring that team in, right? They must be the miracle workers. Um, and <laughs> maybe that team you know, should be responsible for this because it's, but there is no team like that, right? Um, so, so I, you know, I think in the end it goes back to being persistent, give, having intelligent conversations, highlighting the impacts of doing what people are asking you or your team to do um, if it doesn't feel right. Um, you know, you've been there, you've done it. Some of the questions even said keep being put on, you know, if this is always the case. Uh, well, if it's always the case, then you have history. You know what went wrong. Um, and, and your goal is to try to make it better. So what's the opportunity? Back to thinking about what's the opportunity. Maybe you talk to your 
the, the people that are pushing you in this manner to say, well, let me try this. Let me do this. I know, you know, we've struggled. It, the last project, we fell into the same bucket. We need to change something. So let's try this little thing and see if that gets us closer, if that moves the needle. And, you know, and it's so funny. And, and actually, after I make this next comment, I, I want to go to our phones to say hi to a uh, old friend that has uh, been a avid listener of technology and supporter of Technology Express. So, so I, I will go to the phones uh, next. But the the one last comment awesome. I wanted to add to this area that we're talking about. You know, as I'm, I'm sitting here with my laptop, I had it propped up with my essential skills book from our essential <laughs> skills class, and I I flipped it open real quick, and I was like. You know, when we do the the part where we do the uh, shark tank and those different challenges, we had the we we call intelligence disobedience, uh, intelligent disobedience. Yeah. And so yeah. I thought I, I I wanted to drop that in because we we actually even you know have an exercise and discussion around that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and and that just you know just ties into that. You know, stand true to your convictions. If something just doesn't feel right, it's it's okay for you to to stand on that point of view. But there's a way to make sure that you have the the supporting, um, you know, evidence, the the facts, even a good alternative. You know, you don't always go with a a, a problem, and just um, you know, talking the team through um, and steering them in a different direction. So I, I think across the board is. Now, something I always say, because, you know, the, the question in here was, does the BA just um, do whatever they're they're told to do? And, you know, the, the fact of the matter, and I think this is a part of you've got to pick your battles. So not everyone, you know, you've, you've got to stand firm that, you know, we, we can't or you won't or you refuse, you know, that type of thing. You pick your battles, but there are there are some. And then, you know, talking with the rest of the team and building alliances to see if others feel the same way that, you know, we're repeating the same mistake over and over, and this mm-hmm. is something that we could do something about, and then standing and, and, and building the right case and, and coming up with solutions and alternatives of why um, different things need to happen in order to have different outcomes, and um, and, and and then take it to, to management, you know, respectfully and, and you know, making sure that you're, you're, you're well prepared to make your case, and and I I think yeah. that you know um, you got to look at those those opportunities too. But again, caveat: pick your battles. <laughs> I, I I want everybody to say you know happily employed. <laughs> um, right. But that's exactly. it. Me, yeah, the goal. It, it, yeah. So let me let me jump to because uh, you know we always like hearing some more some different voices. So. I'm opening the the mic for Sharon Simmons. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. I'm here. Tell, tell our me? audience where are you calling from, Sharon? Oh, I'm calling from Houston, Texas. Oh, wonderful! I know you're always traveling all, right. all around the world, so I don't know where where in the world is Sharon Simmons. So. <laughs> <laughs> Now, so I'm just trying to get back acclimated to this side of the country. 
I got you. I got you. Well, I I know I, I I know you maybe have heard some of our our tips and challenges as people are you know those who either work in the industry developing software, um, but yourself you're more of an entrepreneur that uh, kind of found yourself in this arena of software development and design. So maybe some of the the pain points that we're talking about maybe now from your your experience you've experienced some of those things, but it I'm sure it's, it's definitely been a learning experience for you. Well, it, it definitely has been a learning experience. I, I'm listening to the show and listening to you guys talk about business analysts, and I wear so many hats, um, and sometimes I may find myself a business analyst. Um, I, uh, I Not only am I working with the team that I'm on now, my new team, um, but also I am creating other apps, and I'm working with um, students and startup companies in St. Kitts. So, you know, having think tanks um, and listening to your show today, I could see myself in those places where I'm talking to other entrepreneurs and we're brainstorming about uh, different types of solutions. And having that communication, um, I think communication is the biggest thing. Um, we all are different type of thinkers. Like, I'm, I'm very creative, and I, re- I remember on your show maybe about maybe four or five months ago, you mentioned something about being an introvert thinker or being a creative uh, being a creative person but more introverted than extroverted, and I'm one of those kind of thinkers. So I have to, um, when, I, when I'm in a group and we're designing or we're having a think tank or we're hacking out something, um, communication is the biggest link between all of us because we all think differently. So um, being persistent. You know, I'm listening to some of the tips that you're, you guys are mentioning. Um, I'm making notes, and I'm, 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 absor- I'm absorbing those, these uh, tips because I find myself in those areas. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm so excited. It's so good to to hear your voice and thank you as always for for listening, you know, to the the show. And we definitely have to catch up and and you know, uh you, you're always welcome to she as a lot of you may remember Sharon Simmons. She did a series for us and it's in our archives. She created an app. She wasn't a technical person, but she created an app. Uh, she's even she even documented how she went about creating an app as a non-techie and wrote a book about it as well. So if you're interested, please definitely check out our archives. Uh, Sharon Simmons is in there. And, you know, the other thing in Coop that I think that is interesting, and I've had more than one person say this, is that the things that we're talking about, other people can relate to them because, you know, it comes down to problem solving and whether even the solution is technology or the, just solutioning in general. As a business analyst, some of this, the, the communications, the constraints, the prioritization, the, this resonates with people. And, and so someone like Sharon who's just created an app or created a couple of apps now, um, you know, working with the, the, the students, um, it's still – applies to to their efforts as well. So I think that, that that's really cool that it's not just people who are doing um, IT professionally or doing business analysis right. uh, professionally. This is, and, and we said this at the beginning, this is about success and having project success. I, you know, and I'm glad, Sharon, you even pointed out, like, 
you use the words like I'm, you know, I'm I'm a business analyst too, right? Um, and I think you know that supports my belief, and it keeps popping up of these examples like you, where everybody needs this business analysis mindset, regardless. It's not right. to your point, Jacqueline. It's not. Oh, you do business analysis if you have the title BA and you work on IT projects. No, that that's not what this is about. I met uh, someone for coffee this morning that does business analysis all the time, and they're really a program director at uh, a large university. So, but they're, you know, they could easily have the title business analyst. I mean, because the stuff she does is all business analysis type tasks. Um, not IT. I mean, some of the things she has to do relates to IT, but not not all and not even a majority of what she does. Absolutely. Well, again, I'm, I'm thank you, Sharon, for, for, for joining welcome. us today, and I'll, I'll definitely be circling back with you. And, you know, to, to Sharon and to others like Sharon, um, visit B2T Training's website. There are, you know, I do some blogs. Coop does some blogs there as well. Um, and there's there's different templates. So, again, you don't have to have the title. This is about problem solving. It's about coming up with solutions. Um, and I think that it will really surprise people that this conversation and this arena isn't just a job title. This is really just a, a – and you even mentioned it, Sharon. We talk a lot about different types of thinking and thinking tools and communication. Uh, Coop and I, you know, we did at the IIBA a whole um, – uh, about six different types of thinking. Um, so, right. in, you know, all of this is, is in that same space of the problem solving and, and whatever it takes for successful projects. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, letting me kind of hop on and hop off. Uh, Coop, it was good hearing your voice. And, Jacqueline, I would like to catch up with you soon. Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you again. So that was Sharon Simmons. Thank you, out of Houston. So let me see if we can, you know, I don't know if, Coop, if you want to kind of uh, wrap up or if you want to look at one of the, the final questions um, here we, we, we've got about 10 minutes. We usually can squeeze a lot in 10 minutes, but you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. so our question four, what if the only thing your team agrees on is that everything wrong with the project is the BA's fault? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the, looking at the positive, at least you got them to agree on something, right? Um, <laughs> right. So that could, that could be, <laughs> That's the first step, right? You need to to get around that. So, I, I, you know, it comes down to, you know, we talked about this at length before, and, you know, that requirements are a team sport. So um, the, the first thing is, and this is uh, lessons or feedback I give on accepting feedback, right? So um, I think you have to take this in, right? So don't take it first. Try not or I don't want to tell you what to do, but try not to take it personally and flip this around and try to to get advice and understanding of how, what could you have done differently? If everybody is like, you know, the spotlight's on you, the BA, um, okay, you know, take one for the team, admit, yep, I can improve. What is it? How can we, how can I get better? Um and then 
open the conversation. Don't push back and be defensive. So when I when I give uh, my my talks around accepting feedback and how how do you improve and it's about this feedback loop. The first is you got to ask for feedback. Um, people don't necessarily give you the feedback, the critical feedback you need. In this case, people are giving the feedback, right? They're pointing the finger at you, saying you're the problem. So, um, so now you have the conversation. After getting the feedback and understanding of what they feel could have went better and what could have happened better and what you personally as the BA could have done better, you just say thank you, right, and accept that. Don't, don't get defensive, right, because if you get defensive, then it becomes a battle, right? If you're like, well, I did that because you did this, and then they're like, oh, well, if you didn't do that, I wouldn't have done that, and there's back and forth, and, and nothing gets accomplished, right? So um, you can't do that. So you have to be, you have to rise above it and say, okay, thank you for that feedback, and then go back and think about what you can do differently, and what is is possible for you to do differently and then go back to the team and say, okay, I, I heard you. Here's what I can do. Um, in the constraints of your team or whatever it is, here's what I think I can improve on and here's how I'm going to get better. What I need help on is X, Y, and Z. Is anybody willing to, to step in, blah, 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 and help me with that? At least you'll then have the conversation um, by getting defensive, it's just going to cause problems, right? Um, by going to your manager and saying, I'm doing a good job, it's them, can you help step in? You know, bringing the managers and directors and people above uh, the team into the conversation is just going to make it worse. Um, people are going to start to take sides. And, and those managers and those directors, those people that you escalate to, really don't have a lot of information about what's going on day to day. I mean, in reality, unless they're part of the team, right, they don't have the day to day stuff. So the decision, what they're making decisions on is all what they're hearing from different people. And it's really hard for them to, to make good decisions. Um, and it, it might benefit you personally, but become a better uh, open team. And if you, so if this is the behavior you have when somebody um, and, and maybe you're in a situation where everybody agrees that it's the BA, but if you take this high road, quote unquote, and say, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Um, it is all me. How, what should I do? Give me ideas. Give me advice. Give me some things that I can think about so that I can improve. Then hopefully that attitude goes to the next person, right? When, when it's something, uh, that they can improve on, they'll have the same attitude. And then you'll start, as a team, start having these conversations where it's not adversarial. It's for the improvement of the individuals and the team as a whole. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And, and you know, the, just one small thing that I, I would add is that you're, you're absolutely right. Ask the team for feedback. Be open for that feedback. Look how you can continuously kind of process and improve. And, and the other piece is, and, and I tell groups is, is you know, that the lo one thing that I'd love to take from Agile is that they have whatever your iteration is, that two to maybe four-week checkpoint where you're kind of doing your retrospect. Well, even if you're not on an Agile team, just do your own professional, um, you know, for your own professional right. development, retrospect with your team. So how's it going? Because 
what what I don't like about this question, don't wait to the end and then everybody, you felt like everybody is now pointing at you. If there was, find mm-hmm. out when this tide came about along the way, like, are we not on the same page? Are, are we not in agreement? You know, and, and not saying it in that way, but what is it working for us? Is it not working for us? What do you like about how it's working? What could be changed? What could we improve? So you're having this conversation along the way, and so that it, you don't get blindsided. You shouldn't be blindsided that people are starting to think we're not getting enough information or we didn't go deep enough. You know, so you can course correct early and often, you know, as Agile says, fail fast. So be looking for that, um, you know, and, and soliciting or eliciting that um, feedback early and often. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the key. And everybody has that sense. Um, at least I think so. Um, some people catch on quicker than others. Um, sometimes I I don't uh, – catch on as quick as some other people, but you have that sense like, oh, something's probably not right. People are not happy about something. Um, yeah, so ask the question, right? Be proactive about it. Like, is everything okay? Do we um, – what's going on? What can we do to improve? I know, Jacqueline, I don't know if you do this in classes, but some of our other instructors, even every day, um, they kick off every day of the class. Okay, what went well? What didn't go so well? Uh, what can we improve on, to, you know, tomorrow? So, like, you can do that too, right? I mean, you don't have to exactly. do it every day, but every week, every two weeks. Like, so you just get that to be a pattern. And it's not about – it. you can start it with how can I improve, but then hopefully it will build to, wait, let's talk more than just you, Jacqueline. Let's talk about all of us. Um, right. And then it, it, it becomes less about finger-pointing than how do we – consistently get better exactly no absolutely absolutely and um we are we we are getting um close on our our time and and maybe we can you know carry over which we often do our our questions for the the next episode but i also want to say to our audience are there some questions that that you have maybe the uh, questions today inspired you, and, and now, you know, you want to jump in and, and be a part of the, the conversation. We we absolutely would welcome your input and um, your, your, your what, what's, what's your frustration? What are you experiencing uh, on your projects? Maybe it's something totally different. You know, one of our last questions, and again, like I said, we can carry this over to the next episode, is having that input, the BA having that input on which approach that the team should be using. Some projects that feel like Agile, they could definitely benefit from Agile, which you guys have heard us talk about. Um, Other projects could maybe benefit more from a waterfall. But, again, that kind of being predetermined and imposed on the BA and that being yet another source of frustration. So, that one. How about we put that one uh, on ice until our next episode? Want to <laughs> take the time to thank you, Coop, for being with us today. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you, Jovan. Um, had a great time seeing those tweets uh, come out and uh, heard quoting some of our sound bites. And um, just want to invite everyone to visit our archives and listen to uh, the previous eight episodes if you haven't to catch up and also to catch some of those PDUs and CDUs 
um, and visit B2T Training's website, the sponsor of today's show. So thank you, Coop. Thank you. It's been great, as always. Absolutely, absolutely. So if everyone would just stay tuned from a few announcements and words from our sponsor, and we look forward to talking to you in two weeks. Stay tuned for a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by and features B2T Training. BTT Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. Did you know that Coop is the president of BTT Training? If you like what you heard today, join us for one of our upcoming public classes to learn the business analysis tips, techniques, and best practices that he's talking about. We have several classes coming soon to Atlanta. Our Essential Skills for Business Analysis class will be offered May 16th to the 19th in Atlanta, which will be taught by Jacqueline, by the way, as well as July 25th through the 28th in Chicago. Essential Skills is our most popular and highest rated course. It's appropriate for beginners or experienced analysts needing to refresh or hone their skills. We also have a session of our Agile Value Management course scheduled for June 7th through June 9th. Jacqueline will also be teaching this class here in Atlanta. Don't miss her as she walks through how to use Agile to build the right thing with a customer-focused approach. After each of our classes, we also include ongoing enrichment and reflective activities that provide students the boost they need to sustain their learning and competency. In other words, we make it stick. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about these public class offerings and others or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866-675-2125. Follow us on social media and visit bdttraining.com to see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it too. You have been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. For a full list of our podcasts, social media handles, and upcoming shows, visit our web portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. Join our text club and get monthly alerts of upcoming events and initiatives. Text the phrase, full steam ahead, to 41411. Financial support and donations of any denominations are welcome. Your contributions help us sustain and reach undeserved communities who benefit from the many programs, role models, and technologists that we showcase. Thanks to our sponsors, partners, and thank you, our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen, learn, leverage, launch. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. 
Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.